I hope you got here all week. But if you didn't, you're like the caboose on the train. You got here on the end, praise the Lord. And we're glad that you're with us in the service this morning. Now, the only thing standing between you and me and that chicken leg out there is my benediction. So I'll not preach too long this morning. We're coming back this afternoon, but I I tell you, it's good to be here this morning. Enjoyed the good singing. I'm glad for the choir and for the special singing. Ah, it's good just to come to God's house and worship Him. Well, all week I've been preaching to you from uh, uh, different books of the Bible. This morning I'm going to preach, I guess, the most requested sermon that I've ever preached. Everywhere I go, people say, when are you going to preach on Somebody Touched Heaven for me? And I'm going to do that in just a moment, the Lord willing. I trust it'll be a blessing. I trust it'll help you down the way. And uh, I believe it will. Let me say something about the afternoon service at 2.30. Ken can't be here. He said he couldn't stand no more of this preaching. Said so about to kill him. And uh, he said after this morning, said, I'm leaving out. I'll tell you, I'm leaving out. No, he said he had to go to practice law. I told him I was enjoying grace, and he's practicing law. But anyway, uh, he has to work, and he can't be here with us. But uh, we're glad uh, that he got to come, and then others of you that have been coming every night. Now, in April, I believe it is, on our weekend program, we'll be using what we've been recording here this week. I believe it's April. Now, on our daily program, we'll be using it in March. And uh, uh, about the second week, I believe in March, we'll be using the sermons that we preached here this week in the church. And if you hear the daily program, why, we want you to listen. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're on WGUN at uh, 1 o'clock today. Of course, you won't be listening today. You'll be eating, praise the Lord. And uh, But uh, you can be listening after today to the WGUN, and I know it'll be a blessing to your heart. But this afternoon at 2.30, I want to bring you another message on prophecy. Now, some of you were here last night when I brought the message on the book of the Revelation, a panoramic view, five great keys in the book of Revelation. A lot of people are asking, and this afternoon in the introduction, I'll answer three questions. On Mount Olivet, as Jesus came out, he saw the disciples standing there waiting on him and a multitude of people, and they asked three questions. When is the sign of thy coming? When will the end of the world take place? And they said, when will these things be? When are, you, when are these things going to happen that you're talking about? You'll be here this afternoon, and I'll answer those three questions. Uh, and I believe it'll help you, the last seven prophecies in the Bible. But you be here, and you come praying after you eat. And somebody said, well, are we going to eat a lot? Well, I've never known Baptists that didn't eat a lot. There are two verses of Scripture that I always skip over real quick. One is, old old man, nothing. I don't stay on that long. And the other is... Uh, Gluttony. You can't, you know, you can't stay on that long. Somebody, well, that lady back there find a toilet. Praise God. And, uh, but gluttony. Lady asked me one time, I was eating a big bowl of chicken and stuff. She said, don't you think that's a sin? I said, no, ma'am, I think it's a sin to let it go to waste. Say amen right there. But we'll have a good time over here. And, uh, I know it'll be a blessing. Now let me say two things and I'm going to get right in the message. Uh, I'm glad and happy I didn't catch that flu. Brother, I'm happy. I thank God. I, I'm sorry for you that have had it all week, but I'm glad I didn't get it. I hate to try to preach and sound like a little banny rooster trying to learn how to crow. Say amen right there. So I'm glad God didn't let me catch that thing. I remember one time I was in Chilhowee, Virginia, and uh, I got the Hong Kong flu. And two days, and I preach. I mean, if, if I'm in a meeting with you, unless I'm... In the hospital, I preached, but I never like to tell people that I'm sick. I don't ever tell you. So I, I was preaching up there, and I got so sick, I, I'd get up out of the bed at night and go up there to take a shower and go up there to preach, and I'd get dizzy, couldn't see uh, anybody out there. So since I couldn't see them, I really shot straight, praise God. But uh, uh, I finally got to where I couldn't preach, two nights, they had to get somebody to preach. And I told them, I said, if, if that's all they got in Hong Kong is that flu, they can keep it because I don't want it anymore. That's the worst stuff I ever had. But Doc's had it this week or some kind of flu. Brother 
Wendell's had it, and many of you had a little touch of it. I hope you don't get it. Uh, Pam liked we I mean, we call like I mean, she sounded terrible. She sounded like she was in a barrel trying to talk. And uh, But I haven't had it, and I thank God, and I hope I don't uh, catch it. So I praise the Lord I haven't had it this week, and I praise the Lord for that. Now, let me say, I never dedicate sermons. You know, most people don't like my sermons enough for them dedicated anyway. I never have anybody come and say, hey, Brother May, I want you to dedicate a sermon. I'm going to dedicate this sermon today to three groups. First of all, I'm going to dedicate it to Christine back there. I think she heard it one time. But I want to dedicate this to Christine. And then I want to dedicate this to Brother Inverse uh, Children. How many of your children are here, Brother McKenzie, this morning? Let me see how many of his children. All right, two. I want to dedicate this. I remember when there was little girls, they used to come hear me preach. And uh, they thought I was a good preacher, so I don't want to spoil them. Say amen. But they'd come hear me preach. Now, we'll dedicate that to them. And then this brother over here that came the other night and got right with the Lord. Amen. I tell you, uh, he's looking good. Praise God. I like that. And we ought to dedicate this sermon to him, and I trust it will be a blessing. Now, let me give you this, and we're going to stand and read the Scripture. A young lady came down the aisle over in uh, uh, Greensboro years ago, crying and weeping and said, Brother Mays, I can't touch heaven for my brother. He's a truck driver. He's popping pills and old dope and said, Preacher, I can't touch heaven for him. Will you touch it? And that's where I got the idea for this sermon. I went to my motel room. I didn't get on my knees. You say, you can pray better. No, you can pray better on your stomach. I got out on my stomach. And on the, my stomach, I touched heaven for that truck driver. Two months later, that young lady came in another church with her brother. He had a big Bible on his arm. He was happy. And he came down. He said, Brother Mays, I want to thank God that you touched heaven for me. And oh, what a blessing. I'm glad that somebody touched heaven for me. I'm glad that I know somebody that can touch heaven this morning. You better know somebody and get a hold of God when you get saved. You better know somebody and get a hold of God for your children. You better know somebody that can touch heaven. So with that in mind, I want you to turn to the second book in the Bible, the book of Exodus. And I want you to stand with me, please, for the reading of the Scripture. Exodus chapter 17. Turn to Exodus chapter 17. I'm going to begin reading about Moses, Aaron, and Hur. And then it, it, uh, down in the valley was Joshua. And he is fighting the battle. Now, folks, somebody's got to fight the battle. Somebody's got to wave high the bloodstained banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother, we're in a battle today against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness. But we're in a battle. And I want you to see something in verse 10. Of chapter 17, I'm going to begin reading. I want you to note with me in verse 10, if you have the right kind of Bible, it's page 92. And if you don't have the right kind of Bible, you need to get the right kind. Say amen. Amen. Look at uh, verse 10, please. And in the 17th chapter of the book of Exodus, remember, before I start reading, Joshua was going in the valley to fight. Moses was going to stand on the mountain and touch heaven for him. Let's look at what the Bible says. The Bible said, So Joshua did as Moses had uh, said to him and fought with the Amalekites. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, the Amalekites prevailed. You see, Moses is up there holding up his hands like this. Now here's what I want you to do. You'll never forget this sermon. You'll never forget I do this everywhere, so I just don't do it here. Whatever I do here, I'll do it next week in Anniston. Of course, I won't preach this next week in Anniston uh, because I've been there 29 years, and I've, I've preached it about five times because they requested But wherever I go, and they, I, I do this. So I want you to close your Bible now. I want you to close your Bible. Now, the kids will remember this. The rest of you may forget it. Close your Bible. You're going to look up here while I read this scripture. And I want you to do something. I'm going to show you how hard it is to touch heaven. I want you to raise your hands up while I read the Bible. Now, don't take them down till I get through reading the Bible. I'm going to show you how your hands will get heavy. Well, some of you already, they're getting a little heavy. Amen? Hold them up there. Now, Moses had to hold them up all day up there. I mean, he had to touch heaven. And as long as he held up his hands, the Bible said God gave victory to Israel. But when they got heavy, I mean, they came down. 
I, I went when he couldn't hold them up. Hold them up there. Now Moses had to hold them up all day up there. I mean, he had to touch heaven. And as long as he held up his hands, the Bible said God gave victory to Israel. But when they got heavy, I mean, they came down. I, I went when he couldn't hold them up. And uh, his hands fell down. The enemy started winning the battle. And it was very important that Moses keep his hands up. Now let's look what the Bible said. Keep your hands up. And you listen. I'm going to start reading it again. I don't want to finish too quick. Uh, how you doing there? Are you doing all right? Huh? Getting a little heavy? Well, hold your hands up. Some of you are dropping them down. Stick them way up high. I, let, you listen. Re, you can't touch heaven this way. Get them up there. Praise God. Amen. All right? Keep them up high. I'll read the Bible. The Bible said, So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with the Amalekite and Moses and Aaron and her went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed and when he let down his hand the Amalekite prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. I'm going to stop right there. Stop right there. How you doing, brothers? Your hands are getting a little heavy. All right. Hold them up. Hold them up. See how hard it is? Ruth, quit looking around. Hold them hands up and touch heaven. All right, Ruth, are you doing all right? You're not, you're not about to faint, are you? Praise God. You see, Moses had to hold them up all day. You're just having to hold them up while I read the Scripture. Amen? All right, keep them up. Now I'll continue to read. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon, and Aaron and her stayed up his hands, the one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited the Amalekite and his people with the edge of the sword. Now, I don't have but one, two, uh, three verses left to read. But I want to ask you again, how y'all doing? Huh? How you doing? Y'all doing all right over there? Amen. Getting tired? Getting tired? David, come on, hold them hands up. Yeah, all right. Amen. Just keep them hands up. All right. Listen, he had to hold them up all day. Now, surely, to goodness, we can hold them up while I read the Bible. And he held them up. But the Bible said Aaron got over here and helped him. Some of you are going to need some help before I get through reading the Bible, looks like. And, and, and the Bible said her got over here. Now listen to what the Bible said. I'll read these last three verses. And the Lord said to Moses, write this for memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out of remembrance the Amalekite from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nishai. Well, Jehovah Nishai. How y'all doing with those hands? They're getting a little heavy? They're getting heavy over here? Are they getting heavy? Boy, a little girl was chewing, chewing gum this way and I started. You know the way she's chewing now? I mean, she's going to town. She, it's getting heavy. All right, let me read the last verse, and then we'll let you take your hands down. Let me read the last verse. Uh, you, you still all right? How about the lady in the white dress? You doing all right there, ma'am? All right, just keep that hand up. Look at the last verse. And he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with the Amalekites, from generation to generation. Now take your hands down. Now you can be seated all over the house. All right? Amen. I don't want you to forget this this morning. You see, Moses had to reach up and touch heaven. Moses reached up and touched heaven. And what a blessing it is to know that somebody can touch heaven for you and somebody can touch heaven for me. I want you to bow your head for just a word of prayer. And just a moment, I'm going to pray and then bring you the message, Will somebody touch heaven for me? Father, we do thank you this morning that somebody did touch heaven for us. I'm glad, Lord, as we look in the Bible, somebody interceded, somebody prayed for us, somebody got a hold of God. Now, our Father, may there be mothers here this morning and daddies, and may there be wives and husbands and boys and girls that can touch heaven. Lord, Carrollton needs somebody to touch heaven for. Oh, God, this old country that we love so much, America, we need somebody to touch heaven for America. And I pray that you'll bless our hearts and use us as we come to preach today. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Beloved, I want to speak to you on somebody touched heaven for me. Now, before I get into the message, let me give you the background of the text that I read to you while you held up your hands. The Bible said that Israel was on her way to Canaan. Now I hear somebody say, Preacher, I'm on my way to Canaan. If you're saved and surrendered, bless God, you're already in Canaan. You see, Canaan is not heaven. Canaan is a type of victory. And Canaan is a type of abundance. And Canaan's a type, Mr. of the Promised Land, that God had promised Israel down here on earth. 
earth. But heaven is the place where the church is going. Praise God. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And I'm glad he said, I go to prepare a place for you. Now we're on our way to heaven. Israel was on her way to Canaan. And she ran into a battle. Let me stop long enough to say, in this life, you're going to run into some battles. It'll not always be easy in this life. I hear somebody say, I've never been in a battle. Hold on, mister, you're headed for a battle. There are many battles that have to be fought. And in the days of Moses, he came out and looked down at the valley. And the battle was raging. And as he looked down, he said, Joshua, you go down and fight the battle with the people. While you're there, he said, I'll go out on the mountain. Now reach up and I'll touch heaven for you. I'll intercede for you. I'll stand in the gap for you. I'm glad that in my life I've had people to intercede and people to touch God for me. You know what I do every Sunday afternoon? I've done it for years and years and years and years. I have you to write in your Bible, pray for Brother Mason Dot. You say, why? Because I want somebody to touch heaven for us. I want somebody to pray and thank God. Now, before I get into the rest of the message, let me say twice in my life, I know that somebody touched heaven for me. First of all, when I got saved, I wasn't thinking about God. When I got saved, I wasn't looking for the Lord. But I'm glad my little mother got out on her knees and wept before God and reached up and touched heaven. And because she prayed, I'm glad God sent his spirit and convicted me and I was saved. And so first of all, when I was saved, somebody touched heaven for me. And then secondly, when I was so sick and the doctor went out in, out in the hall and said to some preachers, said, we've lost Brother Mays. Twice they said I was dead. But Brother Burgess looked him in the face and said no we're not going to give up we're going to touch heaven until God touches maze and he said God's not through with maze Jackson and he touched heaven listen to me I'm glad those preachers got out on their knees and God brought me back from the jaws of death are you listening somebody touched heaven for me here's Moses standing out on that mountain and he held up his hands hour after hour and as long as he held up his hands. There was victory, intercession, interceding prayer. But when his hands got heavy, like yours did a while ago, oh, the, the enemy started winning the battle. And the Bible said her. That's the only place in the Bible it talks about her. But he held up the preacher's hands. You know something? We need people that hold the preacher's hands up. We need mighty men like David had that hold up the hands of the preacher. And so the Bible Bible said Aaron got on one side and her got on the other side and they held up the hands of Moses till the going down of the sun. You say, what happened? Moses touched heaven because somebody held up his hands. And I'm glad in the Bible, praise God, there were several times that people touched heaven. Let me give you five real quickly today. And they start with S. Uh, as far as those they touched heaven for. First First of all, Abraham touched heaven for Sodom. I mean that wicked, corrupted city called Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible said God repented when he looked down and saw the evil of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible said that they went every man to his own way and they turned and burned toward one another. And brother, Sodom was a wicked place. But my Bible said Abraham went out upon the mountain and he prayed, God, spare the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, my nephew Lot's down there. I've got to touch heaven for Lot while he's down there in the valley. You see, Lot was backslidden. Lot couldn't touch heaven. I'm glad old Abraham was going to touch heaven for Sodom. Now, this is what the Bible said. The Bible said, God said, if I find 50... I'll spare it. And then he said 45 and 40 and 30 and 20 and 10. But God couldn't find 10 righteous people in the cities of Sodom. And the scripture says that fire and brimstone came down on that place. Now quickly let me show you. Even though Lot was spared and Abraham touched heaven for Sodom and Lot was spared. 
God. Lot lost three things. He lost first his finances. Did you know the devil sin stripped him of everything he had? He didn't have a thing. And the second thing, he stripped him of his family. His family, uh, the Bible says, his daughters were wrecked. His wife turned a pillow salt. Let me say, if you lose your family, mister, you've lost everything. And thirdly, he lost his fellowship with God. The sweetest thing in all the world is to have fellowship with God. But I'm glad, mister, that Abraham touched heaven for Sodom. Now, I'm on the radio every day out in a big station in Little Rock, Arkansas. Let me tell you something. Years ago, they had a foxhole in the South Pacific. And the men, the Marines, had just made a beachhead. And those Japanese were back there in the hills shooting and killing those Marines. But there was a sergeant that said, we're here to stay. Oh, glory's going up here on the beachhead. And we want those squinch-eyed Japanese to know that we're here to stay. And the sergeant said to the boys down around in the trenches, he said to one boy, he said, boy, grab that flag right over there and take it and climb up that pole and hitch it on top of that pole and let them know that we're here. We want those Japanese to know that America's back and we're here. And one of the young privates, he grabbed it, started up that pole, and when he did, machine gun bullets mowed him down, and he fell to the ground. The sergeant said, you over there, grab that flag, go up that pole. And that boy grabbed that flag and started up that pole, and they mowed him down. Finally, the sergeant stood there, and he said, I can't send nobody else up there. Is there a volunteer? And when he said, is there a volunteer? Little old boy Markin saw, sitting over in the foxhole, chewing on a twig. He said, uh, sergeant, he said, if you wait 20 minutes, I'll climb that pole. And the sergeant said, we're in no hurry. We can wait an hour and 20 minutes. He said, no, sir, just wait 20 minutes. I'll climb that pole, and I'll put that flag on that pole. 22 minutes later, a little boy from Arkansas grabbed that flag and went up that pole. Bullets came over him. Bullets came under him. Bullets came around him, but he didn't have a scratch on him. He put that flag fastened on top of that pole, slid down, and they kept shooting, but they couldn't touch him. And when he hit the ground, the Marines started clapping and there's crying. And they said, son, what was your secret? He said, boys, back in Arkansas, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. And said, before I left home, my little old mama said, honey, every afternoon at four o'clock, I'm going behind the cook stove. Now I'll touch heaven for you. He said, when I started up that flagpole, I knew my my mama was touching heaven for me. Let me say, thank God, when the bullets begin to fly and the battle is raging, you better have somebody to touch heaven for you. I'm glad that Abraham touched heaven for Sodom. Number two, write this down. Moses touched heaven for sinning Israel. I mean, he went up on the mountain. And when he came back, after he touched heaven, he saw three things. He saw they was worshiping a golden calf. And he saw that they were naked. And he saw they were dancing. Now, I want to give you some things just quickly here. If Moses hadn't interceded for sinning Israel, my Lord, what would have happened to her? Let me tell you something. Oh, if God hadn't heard somebody's prayer for you, where would you be this morning? Oh, you say, preacher, I'm glad that Moses touched heaven for sin in Israel. But when he came back down, and I don't want to preach too long this morning, but you hear me. Saw three things, a golden calf. You see, they want something they could see to worship. They couldn't worship by faith. My Bible says, listen, it's impossible to please God without faith. You can't do it. And if you worship God, you've got to have faith that God is. And thank God they that come to God must believe He is. I'm glad when I get out on my knees and touch heaven, I know that God is. Praise God. I know that when I touch heaven, that God is. But notice three things about this. Or two things. First, the Bible said they were naked. I tell you, when you get right, you'll put on some clothes, and you won't go naked down the streets of Carrollton, Georgia. And the Scripture said they were naked. There's an old guy up here in Atlanta about the middle of April. Listen. Some of you seen it in the paper. He's about 90 years old now. And you know what he does every spring? 
the, Bible, uh, the newspaper, I was trying to say the Bible, but the Constitution, you know what it says? Mr. So-and-so gets naked and goes down in Grant Park and streaks all the way across that park without a stitch of anything on and said he won't wear a thing. I told my wife, I said, next year I'm going to get me a tuba eight and get me behind a tree, and when that old naked bird passes by, he may not wear a stitch of clothing, but he'll wear a blister for three weeks. Praise God. Amen. You hear me? The Bible said we're naked. Now let me give you the third thing. And he said they were dancing. You say, can a, a Christian dance? You're the sorriest one I've ever seen, if you can. Oh, I don't believe that a praying foot and a dancing uh, our, our praying knee and the dancing foot grows on the same leg. Bless God when you get saved. You won't go to the dance halls and the rock and roll and the hell holes of this world. Let me tell you something. You'll turn your feet under his testimonies. And what a blessing that is. But secondly, notice Abraham first touched heaven for Sodom. Moses touched heaven for sinning Israel. Now come to the third one. Hezekiah touched heaven for sleeping Jerusalem. I mean, they were asleep. And I, I say to you, Carrollton, Georgia, and the churches are asleep. We need to wake up out of our sleep, mister. God, we need to, he said, awake thou that sleepest. Did you know when you're sleeping, the devil is sowing evil seed. I believe that most of our churches are sleeping this morning. But let me show you something about this. The Bible said Hezekiah. Now watch this. The Bible said Hezekiah got a letter. You know who that letter was from? Shennacherib. You know who Shennacherib was? He had 185,000 soldiers. And he came and entrenched around Jerusalem. And he wrote a letter to Hezekiah, the king. And he said, Tonight, while you're sleeping in Jerusalem, we're going in and take every little baby and take him by his heels and beat his brains out. And said, Tonight, while you're sleeping, we're going into Jerusalem. And we're going to rape every wife and every girl. And while you're sleeping, we're going to kill every man. So that in the morning when the sun comes up, there'll be a bloodbath in Jerusalem. But he didn't know that Hezekiah knew how to touch heaven. You know what Hezekiah did? He took that letter. And he went into the temple and laid it down and said, God, here's a letter from that old wicked general called Shennacherib. And God, I want you to do something. And old Hezekiah touched heaven for sleeping Jerusalem. You say, when he woke up the next morning, oh, were the little babies dashed against the bricks? No, there wasn't a baby crying. Because of affliction, there wasn't a woman that had been ravished. There wasn't a man that a hair on his head had been touched. You say, why? Because Hezekiah touched heaven for sleeping Jerusalem. And that night, God sent one angel down, and a plague hit that outfit. And in the morning, instead of little babies being slaughtered and women being raped, and the city in a bloodbath, 185,000 soldiers were lying outside the gate of Jerusalem because Hezekiah had touched heaven for sleeping. Jerusalem, thank God. He took that letter in the temple and he touched God for sleeping. Jerusalem. Let me give you this quickly. Two boys. Last night I was going home. I heard the broadcast on Waterloo Iowa. I was going in. I didn't, I didn't stay up long. You heard on WWE. I, I was going home, so I heard it on uh, Waterloo Iowa. But listen to me. I like Iowa. Like I, years ago, there's two little boys lived in Iowa. And they're playing one day, and they ran around the house, and one of them hit his knee, knocked his kneecap off. And when he knocked his kneecap off, he came in and said, Mama, my kneecap's turned. And I, 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 I bruised my kneecap, I fell. And the mother said, Son, don't you worry. I know what to do. And she poured some turpentine on it. Now, did you know years ago that's all you, that you knew to do? Now, not my family. They didn't try... We didn't have but one kind of medicine. Bless God, when I was a youngin, it cured bad toes, stomach aches, headaches. Uh, I'm telling you, castor oil is the only thing we ever took. Bless God, if you skint your finger, you got a dose of castor oil. Say amen. And it, boy, we got along pretty good. That was the easiest stuff to go down and the hard, hardest stuff to swallow I ever saw in my life. 
you say, I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. Well, you must not have had the same kind of castor oil that they had at my house. Is that old thick, runny kind? And Oh, Lord, smelled terrible. And I'd rather taken a whip and been sick three weeks and I had a dose of that. But it's castor oil. So the mother of that little boy wrapped that knee up and put turpentine around it. It turned to gangrene. And when he turned to gangrene, she called the doctor from Des Moines. He came in, shook his head, and said, I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to amputate. You know what that means? Cut his leg off above his knee. I'm going to have to take him to the hospital and amputate. And the little mother stood there in the tears. And someday I'll see him stand as a great man in the world. And someday I'll see him mount to something, and I'll sit back and say, that's my boy my boy and said I won't be proud of him if he's got a leg cut off I want him to have two legs and the doctor said ma'am you either let me take that boy into the morning and amputate that leg or in three days you'll put him in a coffin he's got gangrene it'll go to the bloodstream he's a goner if you don't let me go she said doc I'm going to let you go back to the morning alone and I'm going to get down to his bed and I'm going to touch heaven for him and I'll guarantee you three days I won't have him in a coffin Hey, the doctor shook his head, went out and got in his wagon and rode away. And as he rode away, that little mother fell down over that little boy and laid her hands on that kneecap. Said, God, I'm not going to let him cut this boy's leg off. Someday the world will hear from him. And the world did hear from him. Because three days later, instead of him being in a coffin, he'd gotten up and the gangrene was gone. She took him into town four days later and the doctor said he's perfectly well. Hey, Nothing wrong with that kneecap but a bruise. And did you know that later on, when this man was grown, he stood on Normandy Beach and he said to the general of the forces of the Commonwealth of England, he said, we'll take her today. And then Eisenhower looked at him and said, if it hadn't have been for my mother, out in Iowa touching God and touching heaven, I'd not be standing here today. And when he was taking the oath of the President of the United States, he laid his hand on the Bible. He looked over at little Mamie. Mamie had these funny little bangs. And he looked over at Mamie and he said, Mamie, I wouldn't be sworn in today as the President of the United States if my mother had to touch heaven for me. I want to tell you something. His name was Dwight Eisenhower. And when he was a boy, he had that to happen. But his mother touched heaven for him. Now quickly, let me give you two more in the Bible that touched heaven. You say who? The early church touched heaven for Simon Peter. Oh, you say, Brother Peeves, they didn't have enough money to pay him out of jail, but they had enough faith to pray him out. Say amen. Oh, you say, Preacher Peeves, who touched heaven for Simon Peter? I want you to look here. I want to tell you, the early church, the Bible said, Acts 12, verse 5, and they prayed without ceasing. They said, God, our preacher's down there in jail. He's not down there for getting drunk or robbing a bank. He's down there for preaching the word of God. And they said, Lord, we want you to open that jailhouse and set him free. And the early church touched heaven for Simon Peter. Yeah. Now let me show you something. I want to show you something. Well, Simon Peter's sitting there when they put him in. There's a sword over his head. It's dripping blood. Now watch this. And the centurion said, Simon, that cut James's head off a while ago. And that same sword's going to cut your head off in the morning. Now, could you have slept that night if you thought that that sword hanging up there is going to cut your head off? You know what happened after that centurion told Simon Peter they're going to cut his head off the next morning? Simon Peter went to sleep. Just went to snore, I guess. I guess he snored. But he went to sleep. And when he went to sleep, you say, how could he go to sleep? Because he knew that he wasn't going to die in the morning. You say he didn't know it. Yes, he was 40-something years old there. Listen to me. And he knew that he wasn't going to die. Because in John 21, before Jesus left him down on that seashore, Jesus said, Simon, when you were young, you went where you pleased. But when you're old and gray-headed, they'll bind your hands. And you listen, in your death, you'll glorify me. Oh, you say, what's that got to do with, listen to what Jesus said, when you're old and when you're gray-headed and when your back has been, in other words, bless God, you'll glorify me in your death. And old Simon Peter looked at that sword and said, I ain't going to die in the morning. My hair hadn't turned to silver yet. Jesus told me, praise God. Oh, Jesus.
before dark. But I'll tell you one thing, I'll be in heaven before my toes stop with and say amen right there. Oh, if you're saved, you don't have to worry about it. But Simon Peter was in that prison, and they prayed without ceasing, and they touched heaven for Simon Peter. Yeah. Now, one, three things that happened to him today. Number one, the light shined in. Oh, you better thank God in your life that the light of God shined across your path. Oh, happy day when the light of God shined across my path. And secondly, the Bible said the Lord smote him on the side. God had to hit him. Sometimes God has to smite us. And when God smites us, we may not understand it. Oh, listen, my ministry. Listen, I just started preaching back every week since January. Listen, I'm thinking. Everywhere I go. I don't care whether it's North Carolina last week, Alabama next week, Georgia this week. You hear me? Charleston, West Virginia, week after next week. Listen to me. I won't show you something. Don't make any difference where I go. People come and say, why? Brother Mays, why this? I don't understand. I was faithful to God. Why? I was faithful to God. My daughter ran off. Why? Brother Mays, I was faithful to God. My son's got cancer. Why? You say, preacher, it's a question everybody has. And oh, sometimes God has to smite us. And the Bible said, for whom he loved, he also chastened us. Let me give you something hard, hard for me to think. Hard for me to think. I don't ever go to churches and talk about this. And you know I don't. I don't come and take how many books I've written that gags me. Here, preacher, get up and talk about how many books he's written, how many radio stations he's on, but you hear me, I want to tell you something. I want to give you something. That'll help me. I booked right on that to the end of my life. I mean, I could really, honestly, honestly, if we wrote every letter, that answered every letter that's come in our office for revivals, if I lived to be 85 years old, I wouldn't have to. Uh, God had blessed me. And all at once, I get sick on the bed. I said, God, why? I said, why, God? And God said, I love you. I'm going to let you lie in bed a while. I'm going to let you look up and learn to really trust me. Oh, listen to me. Sometimes you ask God that question. It wasn't the fact that, uh, that, that I was sick that bothered me. I wanted to preach. And I said, God, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Listen, there'll be things that'll happen in your life. And you'll say, why? And God smite you. He smoked many. I remember one time, I didn't want to move to Atlanta 31 years ago. I didn't want to move to Atlanta. I said, God, I don't like Atlanta. Too big a town. I don't want to move to Atlanta. I had the prettiest tent you've ever seen. Listen to me, big kid, three times the size of this church. Had a fine Hammond organ, had a fine piano, and God blew that thing away. You say, no, the devil. No, it wasn't. It was God. Amen. And you say, me. the Bible said the Lord sent out a great storm for Jonah. You see, I was playing Jonah. I was running the other way, and God said, I'll stop you. I blew that tin. He blew it to smithereens. And somebody said, why? I don't know. But I moved to Atlanta. Praise God. Are you listening to me? Oh, you say, smoke. And the third thing, the chains fell off. And they went into the city. The angel led him into the city. Now let me come to the last thing real quickly. Let me show you today. The four that touched heaven. Abraham touched heaven for Sodom. Uh, Moses touched heaven for sitting Israel. Uh, Hezekiah touched heaven for sleeping Jerusalem. The early church touched heaven for Simon Peter. Now last, and this is the best part of it all. Uh, this is the best part of my sermon. Don't miss this part. Uh, Jesus touched heaven for sinners like you and me. Oh, thank God when I couldn't go. He came to me. And Jesus touched heaven for me. I was lost and undone without God or Son. But Jesus came and touched heaven for me. Aren't you glad? Listen, listen to me. I, I, I was telling them last night. Uh, we were talking. Uh, a few weeks from now, I'm going to preach every night in revival on the bribes of the Bible. We're going to record it. Famous bribes. And then another week, I'm going to preach on wicked men of the Bible every night. And then another week, I'm just going to take these different things to preach on. Oh, listen. What a blessing it is to preach them. But on the cross, Jesus said seven, uh, seven sayings. And one week I'm going to preach on the seven sayings of Jesus. Preach on a different saying every night. But the first saying that Jesus cried out when he's on that cross is found in John 19. You know what he said? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The first thing that Jesus prayed for and cried out on that cross was for sinners like you and sinners like me. So I'm glad Jesus touched heaven for me. I'm glad about it. Now listen.
mixed up. Did you hear me? That's not the palm of your hand. That's not the palm of your hand. There's the palm of your hand. That there's the palm of your That's hand. Right. That's right. And there it is. And they nailed Jesus to the cross, the palms of his hands and his feet. And nobody believes this but me, and I'll not fall out of you if you don't believe it. I've had so many people say, I don't believe that, but I believe it just much as I'm standing in the pulpit. Bible said in Ephesians that the middle wall of petition was broken down. You know how I believe it was broken down? You know how I believe that Jesus touched heaven for me? When he was on that cross and his blood was coming down, I believe he pulled that hand out and it was bleeding and he reached up and got a hold of his father's hand. And while he was on that cross, I believe he pulled that hand out and reached down and got my hand. And I was made nigh through the blood of Jesus. I'm glad Jesus touched heaven for me. Through the blood that he shed at Calvary. And mister, what a blessing it is to know that Jesus touched heaven for you when you couldn't touch heaven. Through the blood that he shed at Calvary. He reached up with love and got the Father's hand. Reached down and got my hand. I was reconciled to God through the precious blood Amen. on Calvary when Jesus touched heaven for me. This in our clothes. Listen. I was a preaching one night in a little place called Clarksville, Georgia. You ever heard of Clarksville? It's over here in the mountains near Tacoa. If you don't know where Tacoa is, it's up there uh, right at the edge of the South Carolina line in the mountains. I used to hold a lot of meetings up there. Oh, I still do. Calvary Baptist Church. I, I've been going to Calvary for 30 years. Calvary Baptist Church in Tacoa. But that's not here or there. Let me give you something about it. Right out of that little town called Tacoa was a place called Clarksville, Georgia. And I started meeting there at Hills Crossing Baptist Church, and I turned in my Bible the first night, and I preached on Matthew 18, verse 19. Listen to what it says. If any two of you shall agree touching anything on earth, it shall be done to my Father, which is in heaven. I preached on that. If any two of you, I, I didn't say three, I didn't say five, I didn't say a whole church, but if any two of you shall agree it's touching anything on earth, it didn't say in heaven, it said on earth, it shall be done if you when I got through preaching, I'm sure there's a cutest little boy standing there I've ever seen. Had a little bow tie. Standing right now in front of me. Kept waiting on me. And I said, hey, how you fella? He said, I'm waiting on you, Brother Mason. I said, all right, let me shake hands with some of these people over here from Lavonia. God bless you. Good to see you. And glad to be up here at the church with you folks at Carnesville. And the big preacher's name's Perry Baker. He said, uh, son, don't talk to Mace too long. He's preached hard. He needs to go to the motel. I said, well, praise God, I'm not all that tired. And the little boy's mother was standing there. Now, I didn't know it. At that time, he was nine years old. And the mother said, son, honey, let's go. You talk to Brother Mace some other time. And the little boy said, no, Mama. God wants me to talk to Brother Mace now. And I said, sure. What is it, son? He looked up at me and took his hand and put it in my hand. He said, Brother Mace, I'm nine years old. I'm a Christian, and I believe what you preach tonight. Do you believe it? And I said, bless God, do you think I'd preach it if I didn't believe it? He said, tell me something. Do you believe if any two shall agree as touching anything on earth? It shall be done of the Father in heaven. I said, that's what Jesus said, wasn't it? He said, all right, I want to tell you something. Before I was two years old, my daddy ran off and left me and my mama. And he said, I don't know whether he's alive or dead, saved or lost. I wouldn't know his voice. All I'd know is a picture I got of him at Mama Gate. But said, you're going to be here through Sunday afternoon, the rally service. And Brother Mays, we're going to agree, me and you, that sometime before Sunday afternoon that we're going to hear something about my daddy. We're going to hear that he's either dead or alive, that he's saved or lost. We're going to hear. He said, well, you shake my hand and agree on that. Boy, I didn't know what to do. I'm telling you, that, that's, that's a big statement. And he said, oh, he said, we're going to do it. And I reached down and I said, we're touching, believing that before Sunday afternoon, I shook his hand. And I went to the motel that night and got in bed and looked up and said, God, if you don't do something, I've got me and you in the biggest mess we ever got in up there. Praise God. That boy don't hear something from his daddy. He don't hear something about his daddy. We're in a mess. And boy, I came back to church that next night and and I got through preaching, guess what? That little boy came down here. So I went over here to shake hands. I said, God bless you folks up here. And he said, I'm waiting on you, brother. I said, what are you waiting on? He said, 
You're getting a little red around the gills, ain't you, Brother Mace? <coughs> he said the Bible said if any two shall agree as touching anything on earth, it shall be done of my Father in heaven. He said, you're not getting kind of weak on me, are you? I said, no. He said, I'm waiting to shake your hand. So I went over and shook his hand. But I, I didn't shake it too strong. I just kind of shook it. He went out the door. Next night I came. It bothered me terrible. I was up preaching, and all the time I was preaching, he'd go. <laughs> now, if you don't think that'll get on your nerves, you get up here and preach a little while. And, and brother, you know what he was saying on his breast? If any two of you shall agree, it shall be done of the Father, which you have. And, he, and, and I thought, Lord, have mercy. But the next night was worse. It was terrible the next night. It's terrible. You know what he did? He took the King James Version. If he'd have had a modern, good news for a modern man, he wouldn't have bothered If he'd have had one of these international dishes, he wouldn't have bothered But he took that old King James Version while I was preaching hell it up and said, <laughs> And brother, I knew it was in there, and I knew that God had promised. He said, If any two of you shall agree as touching anything, it shall be done. Boy, I got I went I went to that motel Saturday night. Boy, I took a quick shower bath, and I read my Bible. I got in bed at 11.30. I, I couldn't sleep. I said, Lord, help me to sleep. And I said, tomorrow at the rally service, I'll tell that little boy that, he, that that was written to the Jews. But he wouldn't have believed that. He said, if any two of you, Lord, I, I wasn't going to do it. I said, Lord, tomorrow I'll tell him he took it out of context. But he don't know what context is, and so I'll have to do something, Lord. I was trying to go to sleep. My telephone rang about 25 minutes ago, 12. And I reached over and couldn't find a phone, couldn't find a light, and finally found it. That big old preacher said, well, I said, Lord, what's he crying about? I said, Perry, what's wrong with you? He said, can you come up to church? I said, I just preached to your crowd one time tonight. Can't they wait until 11 o'clock in the morning again? He said, Mason, quit out there. And he said, I'll be by to pick you up in about 15 minutes. About 10 minutes to 12, he came. He just was squalling and crying. Said, don't ask me anything. I got in the car. We went down. Every light was on. And he was crossing Matthew Church. A big light was out. The porch was shining on the porch. It, the boy, they, listen. He said, get out and go in. Now I got out and came up in the foyer. That means between the front door and the door of that. And I looked down through the glass at, at the front of the church. And guess what I saw? A little nine-year-old boy raised his hands and praising God. And a little mother skipping across in front of that church and shouting the victory. You know what I did? I opened that door of the foyer back there, ran down, grabbed that little old boy up. And when I grabbed him up, he was just a crying. He said, I want to quote you a verse of scripture, Brother Mays. He said, if any two of you shall agree as touching anything on earth, it shall be done of my Father which is in heaven. And boy, you know what he said? He said, I went home. 10.30. My phone rang. It was 9.30 Oklahoma City time. I got a long-distance call from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And he said, when I picked up the phone, a, a voice that was cracked, and a man weeping said, Honey, you don't know me. I'm your daddy. said, I left you and abandoned you. I went off and left you. I, I, I got saved a while ago, son. I wanted to tell you, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. And brother, when he said, I'm coming home, that little boy said, I threw that phone down, clapped my hands, and said, we touched heaven. We touched heaven! I'm glad that somebody touched heaven for me. Thank God this morning, it's good to know somebody can touch heaven for you. Ever hear that? Thank you, friend. Somebody touched heaven for me. Do you know somebody can touch heaven? You better get acquainted with somebody who's that heaven. You better know somebody get a hold of them. Somebody that's heaven for me. I want the ladies to come. Play the piano in the morning. Or the young man to play the morning. The ladies, I want them to come. Now listen, while they come, I want Brother David to get us a good song. Aren't you glad somebody touched heaven for you? Praise the Lord. Somebody touched heaven for me. When I couldn't touch heaven, somebody touched heaven for me. When you couldn't touch heaven, somebody touched heaven for you. Aren't you glad this morning somebody touched heaven for you? I want to ask you something. Father, hit some battle. Brother David's got us a song. But before they play, I want to ask you something. How many of you this morning can raise your hand and say, Brother Mace, thank God 
somebody touch heaven for me. Would you raise your hand and just give a praise, thanksgiving? Somebody touched heaven for you. Isn't that blessing? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Now you can take your hand down. I don't know the song Brother David selected, but I know it will be what the Lord wants us to hear. And I want, the, I want those on the instruments to play one stanza while we keep our head bowed. Listen, listen while they play. One stanza of the song. Yes, that's the way God wants you this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Somebody touched heaven for us. Oh, I'm glad that I had a mother that before me reached up with faith and touched heaven for her son. Lord, I thank you for every person here today that's got somebody that's touched heaven for them. But Lord, there's some mothers that nobody's ever touched heaven for. There's some daddies that nobody's ever touched heaven for. Oh God, there's some boys and girls that are wild and rebellious and nobody's ever touched heaven. And in a moment, Lord, when we stand and sing, oh, I pray that there'll be a great multitude of this congregation that'll come down here and get on their knees and touch heaven for that wayward girl, touch heaven for that boy that cares nothing about God and nothing about the church. Lord, I pray that some wife will come down here and touch heaven for her husband. Some husband will come down here and touch heaven for his wife. Some girl will touch heaven for mama. Some boy will touch heaven for daddy. Oh, God, may this be one service we'll not forget. Here at Temple, may we remember the morning that we touched heaven for somebody. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want you to look this way, and in a moment, we're going to turn, but we're going to do different this morning. Right over here's the altar. Right over here's the altar. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you've got somebody in your family or somebody where you work or somebody where you live, Maybe it's a neighbor. And they're not living for God. Or if they used to live for God and they turned their back on God. Or, or if you've got somebody that you really love that's not right with Jesus, would you come down here this morning and call their name out on your knees and let's touch heaven for them? Oh, surely you've got somebody. In your family, you've got a loved one somewhere that you'd like to touch heaven for. What song are we? What number? Number 81, just as I am, let's everybody stand. And as everybody sing this old song, you don't need a book. I think you know it by heart. And while we sing it, if you want to touch heaven for somebody, you've got a burden for somebody in your family, I want you to come down here and get on your knees and say, God, I want to touch heaven for that loved one of mine. While we sing it, you come right on down, all right? Sing, Brother David. Amen. 